0: Have you ever watched a suspenseful movie and you knew right from the beginning that there was somebody on the inside who was the bad guy? It's usually easy to tell because somebody has information that only someone on the inside could know to rob a bank or to kidnap a a witness to a crime or to have that stock go up tremendously the very next day because they knew the day before that it was going to have the company was going to have a merger. Insider, is Ill, insider trading is illegal because the person on the inside has information we on the outside don't have. Well, today, as we close out our Life in the Spirit series, we're going to find out that living in the Spirit is an inside job. In fact, that's our take home point for today. Living in the Spirit is an inside job. If we want to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we want to experience life in all of its abundance as God intends it, then we are going to have to engage the transformation that comes from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us when He was walking on the earth that He came to give us life in all of its abundance. And He wasn't just talking about having abundant, glorious life someday when we die and go to heaven. He was talking about right here and right now in the midst of all the challenges. Challenges, and it's all, all the difficulties and all the trials we face because the devil is out to steal from us, to kill and destroy us, that we can still have abundant life. And that is not a pipe dream. It's not something that Jesus overpromised on and can't be delivered. It's an inside job. So consider this vital truth about the abundant life. It has been shown that our abundant life has little to do with the stuff that we have. In fact, study after study has shown that after we attain a basic standard of living in our lives, having more doesn't make life better. It just clutters our lives up. To be sure, if we don't have enough food to eat, If we don't have enough basic health so that we're not in pain all the time, if if we don't get enough sleep that we're not just consistently tired, well then it is hard to live the abundant life. But the Apostle Paul offered his readers in the church at Philippi the key to an abundant life regardless of our circumstances. We find that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, where Paul said, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, a lot of times we take that verse out of context and we think it means that Jesus can make us do anything. And certainly he could, but what Paul was talking about in that particular day was about experiencing abundant life when it comes to material goods. Paul was saying that we can be satisfied no matter what we have or what we don't have. And and so let's look at the context. Paul was closing out his letter to the Philippian church, a church that he loved dearly. And he was writing his letter from prison. He was in prison because he was teaching people about Jesus. So they, the Philippian believers, had just sent him some money. He had received it. And so he writes these words to them. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So Paul praised God because he had received an offering from the Philippian church. His personal physical needs were being met while he was in prison. And then he said this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So I underlined the word learned, because Paul tells us that he had learned the secret of abundant life. It wasn't having a lot. It wasn't having nothing. In fact, he said he had learned to be content with whatever he had. Now, we could camp out there for a long time, couldn't we? Are you and I content with what we have right now? But then Paul said, I have actually learned something else. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, full stomach, empty stomach, plenty or want, So, what's the secret, Paul? We want to know. Here it is. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the secret to being satisfied whatever happens, whatever comes our way in life. God created us to live in a particular way, and Paul just told it. We are to live. We must live in Jesus' strength. We must live in Jesus' strength. So how do we do that? How do we live with Jesus' strength in our lives? Let's turn to another letter that Paul wrote. And we have to say, this letter was not written to a church that was Paul's favorite. I mean, if you take the letter of Galatians, which we're going to look at right now, and the letter of Philippians, which we just referred to, and put them side by side and read them, you'll find out a couple of radical differences. First of all, you know, the people of Philippi loved and honored Paul, and he loved and honored them. Now, the Galatians, they had loved Paul, but they're now having some issues with him. And and the reason why they're having issues with him is because something happened that is all too easy to happen after we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And we're living that new life because we can get caught up in something. And this is what happened to the Galatian church. What happened is they forgot That the Holy Spirit is how they stay connected to Jesus and continue to live in his freedom. They were set free from sin and death the same way all of us are, by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. They had received new life and the freedom that Jesus gave when he came and lived and died and rose again and returned to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit. But then they traded all that in for a weight for a yoke that no human being in history has ever been able to bear and that weight or yoke was the weight of the Jewish law. Now we're going to work our way through all of the letter to the Galatians through the summer months, but today we're going to just look at a little bit from chapter 5 to see what Paul had to say about how we get rid of this life of slavery to the law and how we live this abundant life in the spirit. So before we do that, before we turn to Galatians 5, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus to live and die and rise again so we can have a new life, free of sin and free of death. And also, Lord, free from slavery to the law. We don't have to follow the law when your spirit's guiding our lives. So right now we pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to fill us, that we might not only hear your word, but understand and apply it so we can live the freedom that Jesus died and rose again to give us. We pray this in his name, amen. So turn with me to Galatians 5.1 and what we're gonna see is in the first four chapters, I'm gonna just forget about those four chapters, but what Paul did was tell the, the Galatian believers that they had been given freedom in Jesus Christ and they were basically in danger of forfeiting it because they were living according to the law or seeking to live according to the law of Moses. The ironic thing is, The Galatians were Gentiles. They weren't Jews before Jesus became Lord and Savior of their lives, before Jesus was preached by Paul and they came to know him as Savior and Lord. They probably might not even have heard of the Jewish law. They were pagans, just like the Corinthian church was, just like the Philippian church was. But now they had received freedom in Jesus Christ, but they were turning away from it. So Paul fought against that. The reason the Galatian believers were turning away from freedom in Jesus is because a group of people came in after Paul. This group came in often after Paul had preached in a town or a city, and they were called the Judaizers because they wanted people to follow the Jewish law in order to follow Jesus. Paul was against that, and he summed up everything that he had said in the first four chapters in Galatians 5.1 when he said, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Abundant life includes freedom. But Paul also tells us abundant life includes something else. And he says that in verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. It's really strange. But on the one hand, the Galatian believers were sort of um, being led to become slaves to the law, to live according to the law of Moses, but at the other extreme, and on the other hand, they were basically going to live according to their sinful desires. Those two things are opposite, rigid obedience to the law and living according to our sinful desires that are on the inside of us from the time we're born, really. And every believer for the last 2,000 years have been subjected to attacks from those two angles. If you follow Jesus, your Savior and Lord, someone has told you you have to follow a bunch of rules. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't smoke, drink, or chew or go out with the girls that do. If you just follow enough don'ts in your life, everything's going to be fine. And it sort of sounds... Right, doesn't it? Because we know that God does want us to be good people. He wants us to live righteous lives. He certainly doesn't want us to live according to our sinful desires. But the reality is, following rules never brings freedom in our lives. And it feels like drudgery because it is. So how do we live in freedom? How do we live this abundant life that Jesus offered? We do it by living in the Spirit. And that's what Paul tells us in Galatians 5:16. We read, "So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves." The challenge that we face in living the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is that even after we are Born again, even after Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives, the devil's deceit continues to tempt us and to challenge us. It continues to appeal to us because sin is fun until it isn't. Paul learned to be content. Paul learned the secret of living in every situation And here's the thing, we must learn to live from the inside out. It's a learned behavior. We have to learn to let the Holy Spirit be in charge. You know, living from the inside out has been called many things in the Word of God. We saw in the first week of this series that Jesus called it remaining in Him or abiding in Him, staying connected. We read John 15, verse 5, which says, Yes, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in Me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We saw earlier that Paul told the Philippian church that abiding in the Holy Spirit, living from the inside out, means that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. And then right here, Paul told the Galatian believers that we must have the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Let me read that verse again. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What that means is, What it means that we remain or abide in Jesus, that we live through the strength of Jesus, that we let the Holy Spirit guide us, is that we must submit to God. Let's let that sink in for a moment. Abiding in Jesus, living in the strength of Jesus, living by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, every single one of them requires that we must submit to God. It's as simple and as difficult as that. Paul told us, That the sinful nature is not going to submit to God without a fight. In fact, here's what he said. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Inside of us, there is a nature, we were born with it, that wants to do evil. And we live in a culture of whatever. That culture knows nurtures our sinful nature. Whatever means, whatever I want to do, whatever feels good, that's good. That's what our culture says. Do you realize the apostle Paul lived in the very same kind of culture? There has never been a more decadent culture than the Roman empire's culture of Paul's day. And so they face the same kind of temptation that we do the same kind of environment and Paul's going to tell us that in a moment but what Paul understood is something that each of us must understand if we're going to live from the inside out with the Holy Spirit in charge and here it is what's on the inside of us naturally is bent on destruction In other words, what's inside of us, our sinful nature, is going to destroy us. And you say, oh, come on, Pastor Chris, we're not that bad. I mean, come on, yeah, sure, we have some problems, but if we just, you know, a few tweaks here and there, a few adjustments, we're all going to be good. Now, you might believe that because our culture sort of has given that myth that we're all basically good people and we just need a little adjustment. But I can't buy that. And here's why. When I was five years old, my mother sent me to bed without dinner, upstairs to my bedroom without dinner because of something that my sinful nature had done. You know, it was something that was wrong. I'm sure it was a pretty big offense because my mother only sent me to bed without dinner one time that I remember in my entire life. So I went upstairs, but I didn't go to bed. I went and I found my dad's shotgun and I had a plan. I was going to shoot my mother. So I loaded the gun. I pointed at the floor where I thought she was and I pulled the trigger. Now, my plan failed. Thankfully, my plan to kill my mother failed. All I'd succeeded in doing was blowing a hole through the floor. Now, I knew I was in trouble. I got up and I ran downstairs. My mother ran upstairs and I kept going right past her. But as I ran past my mother, I knew something. I knew that my mother and my preacher were right. I'm a sinner. And you know, there has been nothing in the past 59 years that has made me draw any different conclusion that I'm by nature a sinner. Yes, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord when I was 12 years old. That's 52 years ago, just about 52 years ago. So that means I've had a long time for Jesus to be Lord and Savior in my life. Yes, when I was 17 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I started praying in tongues that day. I pray in tongues just about every day. And I, as I've gotten older, I've engaged in the spiritual disciplines that allow me to draw closer to Jesus. But here's the thing. There's a battle going on. And that battle remains. And it's the battle between the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit's God. So if the Holy Spirit and my sinful nature have a battle, God and my sinful nature have a battle, who wins? Well, the Holy Spirit, right? Not so fast. Here's the thing that we have to understand. The Holy Spirit is willing to guide us every single moment of every single day of our lives. He will empower us, gift us, and use us to glorify God. But not until we say, you're in charge. Not until we submit ourselves to Him. Paul put it this way, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So right now, we get to choose. If Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in your life, He is in my life, we get to choose who is going to direct us right now. Is it going to be the Holy Spirit? Because He will. If we simply say, fill me up, direct me, guide me, He will do that. We will be led from the inside out, not by our sinful nature anymore, but by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. Just because the Holy Spirit will lead us doesn't mean he's going to. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't turn us into robots. It's not like my hands are directed by the Holy Spirit and I can only do what he wants. I'm not possessed by the Holy Spirit. You don't get possessed by the Holy Spirit. We get filled up with the Holy Spirit. Think about the difference. Demons possess people and they control what people do. But the Holy Spirit fills us and guides us. And so here's what happens when the Holy Spirit isn't in charge. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul offers 16 different desires that our sinful human natures are going to crave And that covered just about every sin known to humanity. In case he missed one, he says, oh, by the way, other sins like these. And if you live according to that way, then you will not live according to or you not receive the kingdom of God. So when Paul told the Galatians not to be bound in slavery to the law, he wasn't telling them to exercise license. You see, it seems like there's only two choices. We live in slavery to the law or we follow the sinful nature. But Paul gave us a third choice, living in the spirit. When I said living in the Spirit is an inside job, I meant that the Holy Spirit leads and guides us from the inside out. And when that happens, here's what Paul told us happens. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So we get to live according to any one or more of the desires of our sinful nature. Any sin of that 16 or the catch-all phrase, other sins like these, because we can do that if we want to. We're not forced to follow the will of God and live from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, if we take that direction, we won't inherit the kingdom of God. Or we can follow the Holy Spirit. We can let him lead and guide in our lives. And when we do that, we will be filled with him and we will produce fruit. Some people think it's the fruits of the Spirit and maybe you get love, maybe you get joy. It's one fruit. And we get all nine aspects of that when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We get love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, I'm sorry, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of those things comes. Now, if I said to you, which would you rather do, live a life of sin or live filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's a no-brainer, right? We want to do that. No, it isn't a no-brainer. And here's why it's not a no-brainer. Because sin is addictive. The sinful nature is very powerful in our lives. Paul said we crave these evil desires in our lives. Some of us do that more than others, but all of us are bent towards sin. So the battle ensues from the moment that Jesus becomes Lord. And Paul added one more crucial truth about what happens when the Holy Spirit's in charge. He says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So when Jesus died on the cross, What he made possible in our lives is for our sinful natures, our sins to be nailed to the cross with him. And notice what Paul said. Jesus died on the cross for us. And when we receive new life, we can take those sinful desires and we can nail them to the cross. It's our will that does that. And when we do that, our lives transform from the inside out and we live the fruit of the Spirit. Every single day when I confess my sins to God, I say, right now, Jesus, I take my sinful nature, those sins that we just talked about, I nail them to your cross. And what that means is I don't have hands to sin today. I don't have eyes or ears or feet or any other part of my body. They're dead to sin. They can't sin. And they're alive to everything good. And then I ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live with you in the center of my life from the inside out. I want that inside job going on. I want the Holy Spirit living in me. Now here... Here's the question, it's a crucial question. Okay, I've done that. Nailed the sins to the cross and been filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that mean I never sin anymore? No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is I have yielded myself, submitted myself to the Holy Spirit's power and leading and guidance in my life. And so more and more what does happen is I am living that abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to give me. I have to understand that and you need to understand it. I urge you to understand it as well. That's how it works. Paul said in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so when we intentionally say, I'm nailing my sins and my sinful desires to the cross, when I reckon these parts of my body, no part of my body can be used for sin, I'm training my mind to understand this new way of living. And we do that together. When we do that in our daily lives we are training and transforming our lives so if you want to live that new kind of life or if you want to continue living it here's the next step for today i will live from the inside out this week what that's going to look like is going to be different for every single one of us some of you might just trust jesus savior and lord today some of you might have been following him for weeks or maybe for a couple of years Some of us have been following Jesus for decades. So how it looks is going to be different. But what we know for sure is this. The Holy Spirit will lead us and direct us from the inside out. He's ready to do that. He's more than ready and he has more than enough power to do it. So we simply have to let him. So let me give you a couple practical tips for living from the inside out. Just two tips as we close out today. The first one is simple. Not necessarily easy, but very simple. Submit to the Holy Spirit at the beginning of each day. When you wake up tomorrow morning, the first thing you want to do is say, good morning, God, praise Him maybe for a new day, and then say, I submit my will to you, Spirit. I submit my will, my life. And actually, I say I submit my spirit, my soul, and my body. The Holy Spirit um, wants to connect to my spirit. I'm a three-part person. That's what the Bible teaches. You are too. So the Spirit is where the Holy Spirit connects. My soul, that's where the battleground is, you know, because my soul is my mind, my emotions, and my will, and that's where those cravings of the sinful desires want to get in, because in feelings, you know, sin feels good, until it doesn't. Ask any addict, and they will tell you, it felt really good until it didn't. Sin is going to attack our soul, and so we yield our soul to the Holy Spirit. And then our bodies, the physical part of us, they have cravings too, which also are going to lead us to sinful desires and sinful actions unless we submit them to the Holy Spirit. So submit. That's the first thing that we do. And then the second thing is practice spiritual disciplines to provide the environment for living from the inside out. Practice spiritual disciplines to provide the environment for living from the inside out. Now, When I was growing up, my mom told me there are certain people I can't play with because they are bad for me. They provide a bad environment. If I go around and follow them, I'm going to do the stuff they do. Now, what I'm saying here is we can't necessarily ensure that the Holy Spirit's going to lead, but we can provide an environment where He will lead. Let's look at some spiritual disciplines, just three of them. The first one is Bible study. When we read the Bible, it opens us up to God's truth. Now, Not as a rule. Don't make it into a, you know, don't become a slave to reading your Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about opening it up so you can hear God's word. If you've never read the Bible before, I would suggest you'd start with the Gospel of Mark. Read a chapter a day because that's the life of Jesus. You're going to find out who Jesus is, what he did, how he died, why he died, and what that means for your life. So read a chapter every day. It'll take you 16 days to read through the book. Do that again. In one month, you'll read through it twice. In a few months, you'll read through it a half a dozen times, and you'll know what Jesus is all about. After that, move on somewhere else. The next spiritual discipline that we want to practice is prayer. Praying, again, not as a ritual, not as a rule, not as a regulation. But as an opportunity to connect our our spirits through the Holy Spirit with God the Father and with Jesus, and we can remain and abide in Him. That's what prayer is really all about. And then finally, fasting. There are other spiritual disciplines, but these three will get us started. Fasting is going without food for a meal or for a day. And I would encourage you, if you've never fasted before, to just do it for uh, a meal or for a day. And in that time when you would be eating, pray. Read the Word of God. Or just reflect and say, Who's in charge right now? Is, is it a sinful desire or is the Holy Spirit in charge? It really will be a way that we can understand that if we're going to experience the abundant life, We're going to live differently. We're going to live supernaturally. So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He's the insider, right? He's the one who makes all the difference. That's why Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to us and did. That's why Jesus told us that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's that one-time immersion. Just like when we're baptized in water, we go down under the water and we come back up, we get wet, right? When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that happens is there's an immersion in the Holy Spirit. It's typically, you know... Evidence is typically that we can pray in a different language than we could before, one we might not even understand, and that's fine, but that's probably how it's going to work. And then, as Paul the Apostle reminded us in Ephesians 5.18, to be filled over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. So, living life in the Spirit is an inside job. We get Him in there, we let Him live, we let Him fill us up over and over again, we let Him lead in every area of our lives. And you know what happens when the Holy Spirit's leading like that? He overflows into the world, and changes the world. And that's his plan. So, if that's going to happen, something has to happen first. We can't have the Holy Spirit in our lives until Jesus becomes Savior and Lord. There's only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we trust Jesus as Savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means owner, then God the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they come in and take up residence. When that happens, we can start to live that new life. But I say often here at New Life, it's simple, but it's not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because the sinful nature doesn't go away. Just as we talked about during this entire message, that battle continues between our old nature, the sinful nature, and the Holy Spirit for the rest of our lives. But it is simple to get started. It's as simple as ABC. A means we admit that we're sinners. We admit that the sinful nature has been ruling our lives. B, we believe. We believe that there was one God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is Savior and Lord, and we trust Him as Savior and Lord in our lives. And then see, we confess. We confess those sins that we admitted to ourselves, to God, so He can get rid of them, so they can be nailed to that cross. And then we confess to other people that Jesus is Lord and that we're living a new life from the inside out. Right now, we're going to pray. And if you've never trusted Jesus, Savior, and Lord before, we're going to pray for that. But if you have, then Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for that. If you have, then we're simply going to pray for a new filling of the Holy Spirit because we all need that. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you want us to experience abundant life right here and now in this life, not just in heaven someday. God, I pray for anyone who's watching right now who has never trusted your son Jesus, Savior and Lord, I pray that right now they will simply say, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe for the very first time that Jesus is my Lord, my owner, he is my savior. He has rescued me from sin and death. And I pray that they will be willing to confess their sins to you and have them forgiven, have them nailed to that cross so that that they can live that life in the spirit that you call us to live. And God, some of us who are watching, maybe we've done that, but. We haven't yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We haven't yet had that immersion and power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray right now that you would pour your spirit into each person who needs that baptism, God, that you would open them up to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that you would give them evidence and assurance that your baptism is part of their life, your spirit baptism. And God, for all of us who have received that, I pray right now that you'd fill us. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that we can live from the inside out, that we can live that new life, that abundant life that is remaining in you, abiding in you through your son Jesus, that is strengthening us by the strength of Jesus, and that lets guidance and leadership exude from the Spirit into each and every area of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for joining us for worship today at New Life. I pray that in this coming week week, that you will live your life from the inside out, that you will let the Holy Spirit be in charge because that's the only way to experience abundant life. God bless you. Hope to see you again soon.